0: Yep. There's no doubt about it. And again, this is somebody where more and more giant fans are in his camp and you just hope that the good mojo keeps rolling and we'll see what the giants do this week. We can get into that later on. We do a preview pod and, and everything that goes with it. Now, Paul, a couple more important factors from this game is we kind of, you know, thank you, Daniel Jones and, and look elsewhere. A uh, round of applause for Landon Collins, the only active member of the Giant roster who was on the Giants the last time they made a postseason. That pick six, again, just a special moment as the house was rocking and he slapped hands with fans in the end zone. And you talk about a guy who, right, we all sat here and I think it was breaking news right before we taped the podcast when the Giants had signed him to the practice squad. Then he got activated early. Then he was so inactive for weeks that he almost forgot he existed. Now take Crowder's long gone and Collins is just Proving and playing this pivotal role both in the run and the pass in Wink Martindale's defense, and he gets the pick six, his first since that 2016 season in London versus the Rams. Just a great moment from Landon Collins as well, and what a, what a big piece to the defense he's been the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and if you talk to his teammates, they will express their admiration for him and their respect for him in terms of his leadership, in terms of his work ethic, his intensity. Uh, they love his football acumen. He's very, very smart. You know, when Landon left here, the problem was he was making so much money. He was going to try to get a big contract. He did get one from Washington. And at that time, he was slowing down as a safety and had gone through a litany of injuries to where that contract was overpriced for a guy who was going to be still a full-time safety. And so make no mistake about it. At that particular time, I understand, given the circumstances and the climate, why he did what he did to go. I, I I get it. The Giants were not going to pay him the kind of money that he was going to command to be that kind of guy. But now in this role as an inside linebacker, in a game that has become so much more pass-oriented than even four or five years ago, where you're using your sub packages more, where you want more athleticism, where you need guys who are more hybrids than they were a few years ago, Landon Collins has found a niche. And I think he is going to be a big factor the rest of the way.
0: Yeah. And Paul, you might, you would know better than me. Big fact the rest of the way, I think there's a chance Landon Collins on the team next year as well. I know they want to improve the inside linebacker room, but I I, I think he's at least, if he's embraced the role, you know, I'm going to compare it to the NBA. Carmelo Anthony was almost out of the league and then embraced the role of finally being a limited minutes bench guy right. and fit the role. You know, if Collins embraces that, you know, I think he has some life still in this league. Doesn't mean a big, pay, high paid guy in a defense, but a valuable chess piece, sure. I, I think that's there, especially in this defense.
1: I don't think they would be uh, adverse to that. The question will be, how does Landon feel? Right. Does does he want a bigger role again? Has he resuscitated his career that he wants to play more and obviously is going to need a a valued contract that is commensurate with those kinds of snaps? Yesterday, he played 55% of the snaps, which is the most he's played this season. Now, I think they like that role for him. Do you know yesterday... There were a ton of plays. They went with seven defensive backs, yeah. which is known as quarters. You know, nickel, right, dime. Course, right. Quarters is seven DBs. They did a ton of seven DBs yesterday where both he and Tony Jefferson were on the field as extra safeties. And, you know, I, I know Wink Wink likes to have that chapter, and we now have unseen it unveiled in a very big way. You may even see some of that going forward. The question will remain, is that type of chapter, that type of defense, is that something that's going to be sufficient for Collins to chew on? Because you have to remember, uh, Darian Beavers is going to be the primary starting, run-stopping inside linebacker next year. Yeah. I know he was headed in that direction when he got hurt, and he was put on IR for the season. He'll be back next year. You'll think that McKeithen will put on some strength and bulk, and, and he's going to be involved. Will they bring back Jalen Smith? McFadden, you mean McFadden? Oh, uh, McFadden. I said McKeith. Right. McKeith is the offensive, lineman. Right, yeah. the offensive yep. lineman. right, obviously. But, but by the way, he'll be back next year too. Right. right. To enhance the depth on this line. Yeah. Well, so, I see Paul, they've been riddled with injuries out of their rookie clays, too, which also makes the season pretty amazing. No question. So I don't I don't know. I don't know if if they're if if it's gonna work out next year or not. I think that's still to be determined. But I'll tell you this: Landon Collins has a place in this league. Yeah, Collins definitely. definitely can play. I'd love to see him stay, but I, I don't know if he's going to want a more expanded role. And let's keep with the defense here for a second.
0: Like a good Tom Clancy novel, we had a big plot twist late last week when on Friday, okay, we're not going to probably see Jackson or obviously Xavier McKinney. And then we get Xavier McKinney and Dable said this in the postgame press or two. They had planned a lot of limited snaps for him. His conditioning looked good, and he looked good on the field. Ironically, he got beat for that one big play that Indy made, which was just an incredible catch. But Xavier McKinney uh, seemingly didn't miss a beat yesterday, Paul, and he was a part of a lot of those packages, the quarters packages and everything else. Uh, I was stunned to see him on the field. It is certainly refreshing. Clearly, this is a different defense with him on the field. So a two-parter for you, Paul. Number one, how surprised were you at that late, twist in the week that McKinney would play and number two we did not end up seeing a Dory Jackson I know you've been projecting for weeks he'd come back now it really doesn't matter for Philly but do you think we get a Dory at all the shake
1: off the rust or are we just going to see him in two weeks uh I I wouldn't be surprised if they give him a few snaps against Philly just to get him back in a game but I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't play him at all I mean, yeah, I, mean I think yeah. the tra- the trainers are going to have a very big say on this as they have the last two weeks and he's a pro know?
0: And he, you know it's not like he's some young guy dory jackson's played the playoffs before i think you trust him if he's resting that he'd be ready to go into
1: i suspect as though i'm leaning toward at this point not playing him but i wouldn't blame him if they got him a series or two just to get back in the flow because even mckinney admitted he had a shake off rust early in that game yesterday Right. Well, would you want Jackson to be rusty in the first quarter of a playoff game? Right against play, Justin all, Jefferson. Right. And and all it could take is one or two plays and you pay for it. That's true. So so I don't I don't really know how they're gonna play that. Uh I do feel confident though, obviously, that he's gonna play in the playoffs. I, I just don't know what they're gonna do with him against Philly. McKinney's an interesting case because you know, we knew he was gonna have the splint on his hand. It clearly impacted him. I think. Had he not had the splint on the bomb that you're talking about, he might have been able to make a better play on the ball. But you could see when he went up, his hand was stiff and it's closed because he's got that splint on it. And he really couldn't attack the ball quite as well as he would have liked. I thought about that, Paul. The only counter, and
0: you're right, clearly doesn't have full functionality. But I wonder if a lot of going up like that, Was him now having to gain the trust in the hand as well with the splint on where, yeah, the split might have hindered him. But now mentally, if he has a little more trust, I mean, that's still very early in the game.
1: Maybe he's a little more aggressive in fighting his hand up there, too. Potentially, potentially. I talked to him after the game on our MSG post game show, and he said the splint was not an issue, didn't bother him at all. He went for a, a post game X ray just to check to see if yeah, there was Dab- any damage. Dable was surprised by that post game.
0: Did you hear that? Yeah, he got. Yeah, Dable got asked. D- even Dable was like, "Oh, it wasn't as bad as what Ron Rivera had to answer." We had no idea the Commanders could be, you know, in the you know eliminated if that was a bad one on
1: Sunday. But Dable, yeah, was- yeah, that like, didn't turn out so good. Did no. it? That <laughs> was a bad look for the for Washington. Was a very bad look. But um, uh, but talking but but just about X, I, I yeah. want to give you numbers here, uh, Sean. Uh, Forty eight snaps. 83%, which was uh, third most on the Giants defense yesterday. Now remember, in most games, you're gonna get be- at least 65 snaps, 70, 75, kind of depends on the tempo of the game. So, in truth, because it was a slowdown game yesterday, you know, 48 snaps is is not a whole lot, right? Considering it could have been a whole lot more. He, of course, did not tell us what the snap count was but he did go over it. And and that's because he was, he was feeling good. I think you saw the video I put up the other day of practice where he was running and catching a ball. Yeah. You know, his conditioning was good and, and that God bless that he, he had the trainers and the doctors take care of him to this degree where he could make this comeback.
0: Yeah. That's extremely refreshing. And now more on the defense, Paul, uh, Ojalari only plays seven snaps. So I maybe that was just more of a hey, get him out there, keep playing. But they didn't actually need him. So why right. push him? That's the
1: vibe I got from it. Ankle was still a bit sore after the game. I did talk to him. So there was no need to push it because they didn't yeah. need him. It was a blowout. And that is a classic example,
0: and I would go Leonard Williams as well with the burner where he had to come out. That's been bothering him. Both of those guys, in my opinion, Paul, should not see the field next week versus the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I, I strongly, strongly want to stress this to all the fans out there that Coach Dable is probably as symbiotic with his training staff as any coach I've ever seen. He trusts these guys 150% and takes their suggestions probably more than anybody. The Giants have always been good about letting the medical staff dictate availability of players. But for Dable, this guy is, is he like welcomes suggestions even above and beyond. So I think what will happen this week against Philly is that the training staff is going to give him a list of guys and suggest that this guy's nicked up, this guy's banged up, this guy's bruised, this guy's got a low gas tank. This guy's really fatigued. And I think that Dable will not have any problem at all of putting those guys off to the side.